Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. What what is that? I don't know. Isn't that your theme song? Is that how you interpret it? It's It's hard. Yeah. That's that. Is that something else? Maybe. It's like a mix of things, maybe. I don't know. But welcome to the audience. That one's different, but I've heard that one. We are recording this from a beach house ooh, ooh. where we are having yeah. our podcast retreat we right up. now. We up. <laughs> <laughs> we up. We up. That's right. We're having a good time out here, y'all. So it is good to have you here. Need a pouring drink sound. Yes. <laughs> it's good to be here, Derek. Yeah. We had a chainsaw sound in the last episode. Yeah, so that's what we I need, think we got to make Nick in charge of sound effects. Yeah, insert yeah. where is the rum gone? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Why is all the rum gone? Life like this sure is sweet, isn't it? Yeah. It sure is. <laughs> I am the protagonist. Mm-hmm. All right, anyways. <laughs> oh, man. We are going to um, start to wrap up this genre series that we've been doing with two final episodes. So we got one today and one in December. We're going to cover Slice of Life, which is basically everything that doesn't fit in the other genres. But before we get there, we're going to touch on something that... This is not considered to be like one of the quote unquote like main genres like in the, in the screenwriter's taxonomy. This is considered to be a macro genre, whereas mm-hmm. most of the genres we've talked about are super genres. There's a reason why I want to talk giant, about super, micro genre. The superhero micro. genre isn't a super genre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the superhero genre for two reasons. Number one, it's clearly in the last maybe like eight, 15 years or so, it's been like one of the top genres, Mm. right? When it comes to box office and films and overall pop culture popularity. But I also want to talk about it because it intersects with other genres in really interesting ways. Because that's what we're going to see here is like, how does the superhero genre connect with other genres? Now, Of course, other genres can get spliced together, right? That's very common. But there's something interesting about the way the superhero genre does that. And so that's what we're going to talk about here today. So, yeah, if you feel like we've done, like, why we love Marvel, why we love Spider-Man, why we love X-Men, why we love Batman, we've heard Nick go on and on about Batman Returns. And, (laughs) you know, like, we've talked a lot about superheroes, but I promise you, stick with us for this, because not only are we going to do it a little differently... And talk about these genres, but I'm also going to offer a criticism about the genre that I want to kind of get your reaction. A criticism? Yeah, a criticism. Because this is right now the most heavily criticized genre. The superhero? Yes. I think Martin... Martin Martin Scorsese, yeah. Yeah. That's what a lot of people think of first. Mm -hmm. And he recently, at the time of recording this, has come out with new comments. Yeah. About the superhero genre. Like how film is dying and stuff like that because oh. this generation doesn't know anything but superhero genres. Yeah. Huh. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the ramifications the of the superhero <laughs> genre. Yeah. So we're going to talk about point. the ramifications. Yeah. So stay tuned for that as well. But for now, let's go ahead and get into this. Viewers, uh, real quick, Joe took his shirt off. I just need you to know. First that. off, I'm married. You can't be telling the, the viewers all that. You can't be putting all my information like that. All right. <laughs> 
I put a different shirt on. I put a long sleeve shirt because it was cold where we're recording. They're both blue. <laughs> I like blue. <laughs> Jason, can you please narrate everything that happens as it happens? Yes. There's a dog. They, they need there. There. There's oh, a dog? Very yeah. good. Good job. <laughs> oh my gosh. Holy sh- All right, here we go. So the superhero story embraces the pattern of the hero's journey. Superheroes first undergo an origin story that made them who they are. They are then challenged to find their place in the world, often balancing between the mundane and the extraordinary. Their stories usually culminate in making a choice that sets them apart from a villain, one that is often sacrificial and indicative of the tough choices we must make in life. Their ultimate goal is to undergo a transformation that will help them defeat the villain that opposes what they stand for. Superheroes take responsibility for the brokenness of the world and act nobly, helping as many people as they can along the way. These stories inspire us to take whatever we've been given and use it to act heroically, even if it costs us something. So yeah, that's the superhero genre. And so Joe and I, we have... that. That's I feel like what our friendship like kind of started out with, right? Yeah. Was like just our connection and bonding. Yep. Yeah, being in your office every yeah. your classroom, like right every day and My just classroom being is like, the hangout room. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Generational hangout room. I sleep in there too sometimes. Yeah, I sleep in there sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> Not together, audience. <laughs> <laughs> we have separate beanbags. <laughs> So we all have uh, superhero films that we like, and we have some that we probably passionately dislike. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to take you through some of the different genres that we've talked about. So it's going to be kind of like a a recap of some of the different episodes that we've discussed. Can we say if we like it or dislike it? Absolutely. Yeah, please. Like, by all means, okay? Or a rating. So if you're not super familiar with these genres, feel free to go back and listen to them, check them out. We'll talk a little bit about how they interact so the superpower of the superhero genre is it's the way that it can blend with other stories and yet retain its identity, right? So everything mm-hmm. that I just described there can still be true, even if the superhero story is told within a larger genre. Mm-hmm. And so let's take a look at some of these here. So the first one I bring up is the superhero genre and the romance. So the ones that uh, immediately came to mind for me were the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films and the Mark Webb okay. two Amazing Spider-Man films. So you see, like in the beginning of Spider-Man one, Tobey Maguire says, "Like this is a story all about a girl." Yeah, not a typical start for a superhero story. Huh. And even though it's an origin story, it's still it, there's a, still a love story. Yeah, the yeah. love story. I think with the, both the Raimi films and the Mark Webb films, the love story is the heartbeat mm-hmm. of those films. Right? There's a lot of stuff in there, especially in Spider-Man Two, about like, well, what does it mean to be a hero? Like, right? Yeah. And I love all that, but I think. The romance, my wife didn't, Tori didn't really like superhero films, but she always liked those films. Mm -hmm. And the romance was a huge part of that, right? So what are your guys' thoughts on the Sam Raimi, the Mark Webb, on on those Spider-Man films, and specifically how they relate to the romance genre? Well, Gwen is uh, better than MJ. Thank you for for saying that. Yeah, Gwen is definitely Uh, better. I don't think so. Mm. Okay. 
Listen, MJ, nice. MJ was not a good girl for Peter. I, I would like to hear, because we I li- re-listened to our Spider-Man episode, and we got into this debate there, right? Mm-hmm. I would love to know, like, Nick, what's your take? Because you love the Raimi films. Mm-hmm. So what's your take on, like, especially in Spider-Man 2, but even in Spider-Man 3 as well, MJ is... There's a lot of MJ's trash. There's a lot. Of, I, I don't know who's worse, her or Jean Grey a, in the X Men movies. Well, there, Whoa. There, there's <laughs> yeah, a lot of things about bad. their romance that that are little um, it's toxic. Toxic, <laughs> yeah. yes, right. I mean, you have her. What's, what's toxic about? Don't go into the third one because I don't know the third one that well. Okay, okay. Let's let's stick with the second one. We can stick with the second there's one. There's some stuff there. Please remind me. Please. We can stick with the second one. How she was with somebody, but then she still likes Peter, and then she left some dude at the altar for Peter. We can talk about we can talk oh, about I don't MJ. Remember that. Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> At the altar. At the altar, yeah. I don't remember that? J, JJ's um son, because the astronaut. The, yeah. Oh, I don't okay, I remember, remember yeah. him. I don't remember. Well, him there's at all. there's other stuff too about MJ where she's like, oh, I'm seeing someone. Like she's mm-hmm. only with this guy just to try to get like Peter, and then Peter starts noticing, and then she's just like, Pfft. yeah. You, she she only it seems like she only wants a man for affirmation for herself. So when I said that, I just think Kirsten Dunst was a better actress. Than <laughs> Emma Stone? I, 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 yes. I, I, yes. Yeah, but uh, you're I'm not, nice. I'm not I can't I can't agree with that either. However, <laughs> <laughs> the, so so what about Spider-Man 2 makes it such a good movie? Because overall, Spider-Man 2 is probably considered I mean, at least for me, but I think overall, critical-wise, it's mm-hmm. considered better than The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what absolutely. about that? What about that makes Doc it better? Doc Ock. It might no, not be it's the not just Doc Ock. Yeah. I think it is the heart of the... The heart of Spider-Man 2 is, is just very warm. It is romantic, and it's mm-hmm. way more romantic than the other movies. So why is it like that? Like, what is there? Mm. I think part of it is that the film is just really well-made. Mm-hmm. It's really well-crafted. And it's hard to find a lot of flaws except these little nitpicks like what we're doing right now. <laughs> so you um, nitpick them to death. Go ahead. I'll nitpick to death. Whereas I believe that the Amazing Spider-Man films have a lot more flaws that are very, very rec- noticeable to pretty much anybody, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of flaws there. But at the same time, I think the beauty... Like that's there might be a little harder to see and appreciate, mm-hmm. but I think that's kind of what I'm drawn to them is that you have to. There's more there than meets the eye. Oh, that's a Transformers line. More, more that meets the eye. Oh, hey, look at that. <laughs> that's going to be for a future podcast as well. He has Bet. the cube. <laughs> the boy has the cube. Oh man, I the Raimi films I think are or at least the first two I think are better films, but I think like in terms of the romance because I really want to stick just to the romance yeah. part of it. Right, romance is all about longing. What are we longing for most in life? And I think both Peters, whether it's Tobey Maguire's or Andrew Garfield's, right? They are both longing for a life where they are not living a fractured, fragmented identity. Mm-hmm. And the question that both of those films is trying to answer in regards to the romance is, can I still do what I love, like my creative, my passion, what I give to the world Mm -hmm. as Spider-Man, can I still do that and be with someone that I love? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the heart of it is, right? Is they both want to reconcile those two things. They want the Peter Parker and the Spider-Man. They want to be able to be with somebody. And that's in Spider-Man 2, like that's the ending of the film is 
Mary Jane saying, I'm going to commit. She's standing in a wedding dress. So the imagery is super right on the nose there. But it's almost like she's making a covenant with Peter in that moment. Mm. Like, I will be by your side and I will not keep you from doing this. And in Amazing Spider-Man 2, a similar scene happens on the bridge with Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, Mm -hmm. right? With Peter and Gwen there, where there's like almost like a covenant type of thing that's being made there. And then, of course, we know that it ends tragic for Andrews, but... So, so yeah, it doesn't... she is the better girlfriend because she stayed alive. <laughs> that, they're still that's together. It? They are still together, though. Yeah, they're still together. Not, not, that, they're, not that she's alive. <laughs> that she committed and they're still together. Yes. Yeah. Well, she committed... So a little bit different. Gwen committed, too. She just died. Yeah, well, she you didn't can't, make it. She but, didn't make it. But what he's saying is stop hating on MJ. Because MJ stuck it through. That's fair. That's, what he's mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. So MJ's longing just like everyone else is longing, even if she's a little confused. Yeah. Well, yeah. that longing is that key word. That's that's so really... the more confused that these characters are, the better the <laughs> romance at the center of the story is. Yes. And that's why we watch them. And uh, that's why see, it's better. That's you got Nick. You got Nick to go full circle. <laughs> it took a minute. It took a minute. Yeah. That's it. That's it there. Just gotta say one jarring thing. <laughs> one jarring thing. <laughs> Jason was the catalyst. Yep. <laughs> uh, I gotta, oh, yeah. So I'm here, guys. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, <laughs> so those films are great examples of romances there, where despite all the superhero stuff going on, I think we're more invested <laughs> in what's going to happen with them yeah. as a couple, right? But um, Gwen and Spider-Man are so cute, though. They like, are. They, like, they're the cutest in the movies. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, I think... Yeah, but I don't like it. it and, and I don't like either one of them. <laughs> so... You don't like Emma or... Just, no, just I stop. think I just like just attention. Stop. <laughs> just stop. Yeah, that might be a... <laughs> I think the amazing Spider-Man 2 speaks to, like... I have two, like, deep, deep fears. <laughs> two deep fears in life. Mm-hmm. And The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is probably the on, one of the only films I've seen that actually really displays that fear in a real way. And that is the fear of not being able to protect someone you love mm-hmm. in doing something that you love. Mm-hmm. Mm. I had a moment when I was walking on the beach earlier when I was thinking about all the things we're going to do with this podcast and dreams and ideas we have, right? And you know what? You know whose voice came in my head of all people's? Andrews. Was no, it was Gwen Stacy's voice. Wow. And she said, I'm telling Tori. even if we fail, what better way? Tori is my Gwen. Yeah, I'm about to say, <laughs> like, that's, that's the same person. Even if we fail, what better way is there to live? Mm. Oh. Nice. And I'm just like, gosh, that's that's it. That's nice. it for yeah. life there, right? So, anyways, the romance. Sticking to Spider-Man here, I want to go to the next one here because this one was a bit harder for me to figure out. And that was the metaphysical journey. I was like, what superhero story is a metaphysical journey? I I struggled with it for a while until I started looking through my list and thinking, wait a minute. There's two films on here that they're not quite sci-fi. They're not really romances. They're not fan. They don't fall in any of these categories. And then I really started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're metaphysical journeys. And that's the two Spider-Verse films. Mm. So the first film, the metaphysical journey is learning like this leap of faith, right? That is the heartbeat of the film is about somebody coming into an identity and having some sort of 
you know, the metaphysical journey is like that philosophical, spiritual or religious like epiphany, right? That mm -hmm. changes how you live. And I think it's a story about Miles's perspective changing on himself and how he engages the world around him. That's really what the film is about more than the multiverse or Kingpin yeah. or any of that stuff. But what we haven't talked about yet because it came out this year was the second film, yeah. Across the Spider-Verse. And this one, I think the metaphysical journey is even more apparent. Because you're like, what's the conflict of that film? It's the spot. Mm -hmm. It's Miguel, right? That's the external conflict. But what's the real mm -hmm. internal conflict of Across the Spider-Verse? It's, it's uh, Miles believing in himself. Yeah. Him coming into his so, own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's something really meta about the film and the journey that he goes on there. So, and I think it's both Gwen and Miles that are on different metaphysical journeys in that film. Yeah, Gwen's horrible in that film. I will not lie, Gwen is horrible so, in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different universe, Gwen. <laughs> yeah, Gwen's horrible. Yeah. Wait, why, why horrible? She played Miles, like oh, played yeah. Miles. But but I think that's part of her journey. Her metaphysical journey is like, think about it. When you're young, you're trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, what's good, not what's not good, right? She's trying to figure that out. And I actually like really commend the film for taking someone who is a very likable character mm -hmm. and giving them a really hard journey to go on. I think in a lot of films, they tend to marry <clears throat> Sue, a lot of female characters, mm -hmm. where they just make them awesome and good at everything. Yeah. And they, yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's right. Admit yeah. it. Take, take a shot. <laughs> take a shot. It's not Saturday morning right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but Gwen actually has a journey that she's on mm. where she has to, I mean, she even says like with her dad, like, I don't even know what's right anymore. The film starts with a, a, a daughter who's feeling alienated and isolated from the people around her. And her metaphysical journey is that she needs to learn. She can't run away. She has to connect. Yeah. Right. She has to connect with her. I mean, starting with her father and then eventually with Miles again. But she has to try. Like, she can't run away. And I mean, like, that scene, like, the way they depict oh, the, yeah. the watercolor with the emotions, right? And it was right? draining. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was beautiful. And I'm like, that's a metaphysical journey right there. Like, we're literally seeing the inside. Mm-hmm outside reflected outside we're seeing her emotional fit mental state like reflected in a physical setting so to speak yeah and i'm like that's the metaphysical journey right there is her like literally trying to process this and and showing us this and that moment when she says like miles like taught me like anything is possible and that for her is not like i can go conquer the world and do anything it's I can make things right with my dad yeah, again. Yeah. And that we we can be a family me. again. Yeah. And Miles is on a different metaphysical journey mm -hmm. because his whole story is about belonging. Mm -hmm. His story is about, you know, his parents are trying to protect him and keep him from these different things in the world. And Miles is trying to find his people. And he thinks the spider people are his, his people. people. Mm -hmm. And he... He thinks that that's going to be his place, that that's going to be what brings it to him. But his metaphysical journey that he has to learn, it's essentially, I, I call this moment, this is a very like Protestant moment in a film where you have like a character, like kind of like, like Martin Luther and the, the Reformation, right? Mm -hmm. You have this whole group, like 
Catholicism that is essentially saying, like, this is canon, don't veer from canon. Mm -hmm. And Martin Luther standing up and saying, like, I have to do what I believe is right. That's very much like what I believe my, what I see Miles doing mm-hmm. is like what happens when the when the group when when that becomes a hindrance to identity. Yeah. Right? That's what I was just thinking that it's it's him accepting his own identity, like not just having his identity placed in other people. Right. Because it's he's really trying to wrestle with like, what does it mean to be a Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. And he is like, I believe that to be a Spider-Man is you save someone no matter what, if you have the ability to do it, you do it right. Yeah. And all these spider people have lost sight of that. It's interesting because it thinks about how sometimes with conformity and groups, we can lose sight. We can lose our values or we can at least lose sight of them. We can compromise them. Uh, the metaphysical journey that we need to go on in that moment is we need to wake back up to what we know is good. And that's what Miles is doing. And that's what at the end of the movie, the other spider people are doing is they are waking up to what the, what the center of the myth of the story of Spider-Man is. See, but Spider-Punk was already woke. See, my yeah, brother uh-huh. was already woke. He was already yeah, aware yeah. of what the system was doing. See, he, he saw it, right? <laughs> yeah. As you said, yeah. My brother, I knew how this was going. <laughs> I thought you were about to sit up in your chair. Yeah. <laughs> But no, he was the one that, and even and when you go back in the movie, you can see he was already plotting to get Miles out. He was the only one speaking to Miles, yeah. Like, hey, use like like calm down, use your use your electricity. Right. Like he was getting stuff for his little portal uh portal wrist thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was dope. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, Spider Punk was was a dope character. He's one of my favorites in the movie. Yeah, he tripped me out visually, but I liked him. Yeah, yeah. I, I was he was hard to look at. Yeah, that boy kept changing. Me. Yeah, <laughs> I squint my eyes. It's some old eyes, Jason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is a movie really about stories too, like about what stories yeah. are, mm-hmm. right? So it's like the movie opens with Gwen narrating both Miles's story and her, her story. story. Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Because this is a lot of what I talk about when narrative therapy is like we we go through our lives. We le- by telling our story, it reveals things about how we see ourselves. And how we interpret our experiences and how we see our identity and our place in the world and our relationships. So you get a sense of that in the beginning with Gwen narrating her story and how she's she's how she defines herself, how she sees herself. And then Miles also narrates his own story. We get to hear his perspective on his story. And then right after that voiceover of Miles doing it. We see that scene with the the guidance counselor and his his parents, and the conversation is all about story, where the guidance counselor is saying, like, you were this, you mm-hmm. were that, you came from this, you came from that. She is trying to tell his story for him. My, we heard Miles' story just a moment ago, the way that he sees it, but now we have another character trying to do that, and that's like one of the central themes of the film is everybody else trying to tell your story for you and Mm. define your story for you. But you ultimately have to have agency and do that for yourself. So his parents try to do that. The guidance counselor tries to do that. And then she says like, that's your story. Now stick to the script. Mm. And it's interesting because that's the metaphysical journey that miles has to go on is, well, what is my story? 
And he even, he literally says in this movie, everybody is trying to yeah, tell me how yeah. to live my story. I'm like, this is the most na- nah, narrative therapy movie. I'm gonna do ever. it my own way. I'm gonna do my <laughs> own thing, right? And yeah, and that's what that's what Miguel is fighting against because Miguel is saying, and Miguel is not wrong when he says this. When he says that our stories are wo- like our lives are woven together, like mm-hmm. that's true, right? Yeah. We our lives are woven together in very mysterious ways. Yeah. So it's not. I like that. There's a moral ambiguity about what Miguel is saying. Yeah. Because he's not entirely wrong in some of the things that he's saying. It's the conclusions that he's drawing from he's, these things. But he's drawing this from a place of trauma, mm-hmm. and instead of a place mm-hmm. of accepting what has been lost, yes, and moving past yes. that. A hundred percent. That's it. And. Miles changes the story. He changes the story for Spider-Man India mm-hmm. when he saves his, um, his girlfriend and the the, the father, right? Yeah. The police captain. He he helps someone's story, and that's what Miguel doesn't like. He's like, well, the story has to go this way. And how many people do we know? It, listeners out there as well. How many of you guys know people that have tried to dictate or tell you like what your story needs to look like? Mm-hmm. What does it need to conform to? And we call these a narrative therapy discourses. Mm. These kind of established, normalized ways of being dictated by a culture or group that we're in. And that's what Miles is doing is he's challenging the discourse of Spider-Man. And Miguel is supposed to represent us. Like the fans yeah. who are saying it's it not, has it like, has to be this way. It has to be oh. canon. It has to be canon. Last Jedi. Yeah. Oh, this is the last Jedi. Wait. This is the Gentlemen. last Jedi of, oh yeah, another shot. Gosh, dang. There you go. Poor. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Sure is last Jedi. <clears throat> and it's interesting because when that Miguel and Miles have that big fight on the train. Yeah. Miguel says, who do you think you, you are? are? He's mm-hmm. attacking his identity. Yeah. And and that's when Miles starts telling his story. He says, my name is Miles Morales. Yeah. I was bitten. And I'm like, this is so narrative. Ther- this is everything. Like yeah. what I try to talk about. You literally have someone asking who you are. And Miles just starts telling his story. I almost cried. Yeah. in the th- I almost got up and started cheering. Yeah. I'm like, this is literally why my business exists is when you, as somebody asks you that lit, you tell your story, yeah. right? Yeah. So, that's the metaphysical journey that I think we all got to go on. I like um, that. I so, didn't. I didn't really realize that it would be considered that, but that's dope. That's my theory, at least. Yeah. I could be wrong, but that's what I see when sounds, I when I watch me. Yeah, that movie. Solid. I like that theory. Solid yeah. snake. Anything you like else? That deal. I like that deal. <laughs> Damn good deal. <laughs> Damn. All right, let's move on to the next genre. So the next genre I have here is the action genre. The action genre is all about testing a protagonist, right? This is the Mm. episode that Proverb was on. And we talked about how, like, whether it's James Bond or Die Hard. Side note, the action genre, that's what it's about? Testing the protagonist? The action genre, yes. It's about testing a protagonist through external challenges and circumstances. That's it in a nutshell. So this includes, I'll give some examples here. Because on first glance, a lot of people will say, well, all superhero genres are action films. <laughs> and I'm like, no. They have action in them, but that doesn't mean they're action films. So these are ones that I think are, by definition, action films. Batman Begins, the Iron Man films, 
Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Civil War, yes. the Black Panther films, Deadpool, and Kick-Ass. I think those are all examples of action films where they are all about testing a protagonist, pushing them to their limit mm -hmm. through a series of external trials and circumstances. So what are your thoughts on, on that and how it relates to any of these films? I think my favorite is Civil War out of all of them uh -huh. um, oh, no. because of thinking of like specifically the end. Tony had to watch his parents die and then see the man that murdered his parents sitting standing right next to him and his best friend knowing that his that the other friend killed his parents and said nothing for years nothing for years yeah of course we're going of course we're throwing hands like immediately on site that's all i gotta say i i just understand that conflict more than anything well that one's about testing a relationship right yeah. through mm -hmm. action so that's an interesting way to look at it I, I, recently re I recently I recently rewatched Winter Soldier and that's a great mm -hmm. that's Winter a great, great that's a great testing right because mm -hmm. it's testing both physically yes uh particularly with Captain America and Winter Soldier but it's also testing mentally like what does it mean like for me to do this if I can't trust my own government mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's also testing their relationship yeah mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah so anything about those action films have you guys ever seen Kick-Ass Yes. No. To, you have it? No. Nick, you would love it. Yeah. You would love it. Joe, you have, right? No, I haven't. Oh I've seen it. Do you think it right they would now. love it? Wow, this it? is the first. Yeah. Right, I've seen a movie. <laughs> Let's go. You would like it because it's super dark. Because the premise of Kick-Ass. Isn't Nicolas Cage in it? Yes. Okay. And like he's Nicholas. he's the best part of the movie. I love Nicolas Cage. But Kick-Ass, the, essentially the premise of it is... What happens when somebody who's like a fan of superheroes tries out in the real world to go out and do it? Do Ragman. My, my superhero. Uh, do Ragman. Blank Man? No, I never seen Blank Man. Marlon Wayans way back. No, Damon Wayans way back in the day. That's funny. Like 90s. And, and I, I love that like kick ass. Like it starts off That's as like this. Superhero. Like the first half of the movie, Jason. This. I think it is before Blade. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep talking, Derek. Talk over them. I'll show you how to talk over them. You're an expert at that. Yes. Yes. So it's 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 I have the volume. I love I love how it starts off as a comedy, right? Because it's like this very like, oh, I like superheroes. I like comic books. I can do this. But then he once up. he starts getting into it, it turns into a drama. Really? And because the action, how far is he willing to go to actually be a superhero? Isn't it Quicksilver? Is this kick ass? It is Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. Quicksilver's yeah. kick ass. Yeah, the scene that they broadcast over the internet. Oh, when he's part. just getting like bloodied. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like that—that that is what would happen. Like if yeah. somebody really had a costume and went on, some sick person would take them and live stream. That is not far off. It, and and it, that movie gets so freaking dark. I remember that movie being advertised as a comedy, and then I watched it, and it takes such a hard turn. And I'm like, oh my god, like. Okay. This movie is brutal. Okay. It was so, guys, this movie was so controversial when it came out because of uh, Hit Girl. Yes, Hit girl. the little girl. There's like this 11 year old girl who's like cussing up a storm, <laughs> slicing <laughs> people's heads off. It's, like, it's kind of cringy too. Uh, Logan took that. To yeah. yeah. Logan, <laughs> Logan could not brutal. have happened without yeah. Kick Ass. Like that. And that film was kick ass so controversial. So that Logan could run. Yeah. <laughs> kick ass, uh, kick ass, so that Logan, Logan could kick could more ass. Slice, could slice it. Slice, slice and dice. dice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. man. 
Okay, so if we're let's move on from action here. So the next one is fantasy. So we've talked about fantasy, fantasy. here. The fantasy genre is really about either a protagonist entering a an imaginative, creative world. They're from the right, or it's a what we, Tolkien calls like a pure fantasy, where essentially like the whole thing takes place in a different world. But it's really about exploring like these larger than life concepts through mythological archetypal beings that really help us to figure out what we want in life and how to navigate that. So some examples of fantasies here would be uh, the Thor films, the Guardians of the Galaxy films, which are considered like space opera fantasy, uh, Doctor Strange, the first one, not the second one. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and of course, Batman Returns. I just, so I just thought of another one. Of course. <laughs> which one? Which one, Jason? Uh, He-Man would be one of those. He-Man. He-Man. Oh, He-Man absolutely. Is a He-Man. Yeah, absolutely. So how is Justice League? How is Justice Zack League? Snyder's Justice yeah, League? Because we're not one? speaking about the abomination. No, we're not the, talking about the um, this what is it, the uh, Weeding Cut or whatever it is. Yeah. The Justice League. The Justice. <laughs> we're not talking about That's that one. Funny. No, but how is that? So let me ask you something. You re- recently rewatched it, yes. right? So what do you think from watching it? What do you see that's fantasy about it? Because um, I, I know, but I want to get your perspective. I mean, literally, it's kind of just other earthly. But that, but you said it's someone stepping into that world, and the only one I can see. Well, it could be, but it could also be about another world. Okay. Yeah, but that's okay. Well, then it's a completely different world. I feel like the. The difference between the Snyderverse and like the Marvel Universe is that you could kind of see that the Marvel Universe is based on real world like right. stuff. Like you can place it in the real world. But mm-hmm. like with the Snyderverse, when it was just Zack, Zack Snyder doing his own movies, it besides Man of Steel, everything else feels completely alien in that and sense. Style, like yeah, hyper stylized. Hyper stylized. Mm-hmm. But that's like his creative touch, anyways. Like it's everything he does is more like a I guess otherworldly type of vibe, anyway. So is that kind of like what it is? Because he stylizes his. I think that's part of it, but okay. I think another part of it as well is that characters serve as like mirrored reflections of our reality, but they're exaggerated okay. to an extent, and that they represent different facets of our existence. So each member of the Justice League, the central theme of the movie is family, mm-hmm. but each character family. represents a different way that explores. Family. Yeah. I mean, you could get into each one of those. And even Steppenwolf, the villain, there's mm-hmm. there's a connection there's a wanting to that. To, he's a, wanting well. to go home. That's literally his whole mission. He just wants to go and home. they just well, kill him? Yeah. Well, and also... <laughs> so, so much for justice. Hey, listen. <laughs> he was trying to, like, terraform the whole planet. You gotta kill him. Well, there's also with so these characters... <laughs> Superman again? Yeah, you well, it wasn't just Superman. It was like, oh, I terraformed my planet. That's exactly what oh, Zod was, was doing. It was a Man of Steel again. They just copied oh, the my plot. That, this movie, which I haven't seen, is trash. <laughs> I haven't seen anything DC, and I don't care to. You oh, haven't seen God. the four-hour Snyder cut, no. Nick? No. No, and I don't want to. Please don't Bro, make if, me see if it. If Nancy can watch it, you can watch no. it. No. That's Nancy's bad can choice. We, can we? <laughs> 
Also, side note, she was can talking about how Batman isn't a real superhero in the Zack Snyder um, movies. Can we do Batman v Superman and the ju- the Snyder He's not going to do this. Seven, <laughs> seven hours of Zack Snyder. Look, that sounds like a waste this, of time. Look, definitely not the Justice League. Batman v Superman is a maybe, but it's still why it's not a good movie. Why? <laughs> why so, do you guys like this movie? It's, it's not so good. Fun though. No, it's not. It can get fun. When they come in, is she with you? I thought she was with you. No, no, none of those. No, it's not that good. It's not good. So, okay. No, no, no. There's, there's no way that you can say that that movie is better than Batman Returns. No, I mean, no. I'd like, like, put them up side by side. I have to watch Batman Returns fully again. However. I would still pop in Batman versus Superman. Why? Be- <laughs> because I love putting people together. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. I, he's not. Because he's, it's other. Because it's like it's because it's like one of these characters were just like it's like okay okay you know why I love this universe because it's like the injustice universe. It's not the normal. <laughs> Batman Superman universe. This is a this is the injustice universe where wow. Superman snaps and he kills everyone because of Lois Lane because Batman oh. <laughs> So you like things that aren't good. I like no, no, things. No. Superman's not good and the movie's not good. Well yes, no, this is just an alternate good. universe yeah, that this, Joe is like that Joe likes. It's an alternate okay. universe. Okay. It is a whole alternate universe. So I'm just looking at it as the universe and it just it's not very good to me. But now you're coming from a perspective that this is the abnormal. Yes. I, I do I, like that. Yeah. I do have that perspective. Yeah, as Joe. So yeah. that makes a little main. more sense. Yeah. So you but like still, it. if it's on a level playing field, this is not an entertain. <laughs> this is not done very well. So I'm you sorry. like the the difference of Lex Luthor being not. It's I can see where they were going for. I can see that this this orphan boy was abused by his father and he didn't know how to cope. So he literally mm-hmm. is just so awkward. That he doesn't know how to operate in front of people. He's you guys, just he. You guys are using the contrarian view here. You're, sink, you're sinking into the contrarian. Nick, on this. Nick, but that's is, literally what that's literally what he Nick, was. Nick, is Batman Returns the best Batman film? Probably not, but it's still like way up there. It's that, very very that, good. I, I can still make you the contrarian somehow. No, no. It, it, like it probably is, but I would. Ra- I think it's just fun. I think it's just in the Batman same vein. In the same vein, like, yeah. we're coming from so, the same, same perspective. Only so, the so, taste is different. But in all serious, <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, so like the fantasy films, like like the Snyder cut of Justice League, it's about exploring a world, yeah. right? So like we get the mythological backstory, for example, with mm-hmm. the Amazons and the lanterns and, and like the, the mother boxes, yeah. right? That's very fantasy, yeah. high fantasy epic there, where it we're feels really like Lord of the Rings we're di- it does okay. it yeah, does feel that, feels th- like that the movie. Movie does feel like Lord of the Rings, and yeah. I'm not saying that like derogatory, like, like legitly. It's I. It I, feels big. It's I a big like, movie. I do like how it feels big. Like Derek just said, it feels like a whole epic thing. Like if it feels more epic than a Marvel movie. Like oh, a hundred percent. I would watch yes, that over yes, Avengers yeah. any day. What? Uh, oh yeah. I would still watch Infinity War over it. But well, however, I, I, it feels like a larger state. But but than like compared Infinity. to the I can like, understand that. But yeah. compared okay. to the first Avengers movie, yeah. where it's like about getting this team together, this movie is way it's stronger like if, at if it. Way better. We still lose, and it and like if we didn't have, if all of us weren't working together, the Earth would have died. 
we needed everyone was important in saving this and saving. And the, the movie universe. does a good job setting up of it why it has to be those people. Are we on mm-hmm. Justice League or Batman? Justice Superman? League. Justice okay, League. Okay, I haven't seen that. I know. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Batman Returns is also fantasy as well. So what what draws you to that, fantasy. Nick? Fantasy. Penguins with rockets on their backs. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think shouldn't the, have taken a shot. I, well, I think, <laughs> I think the key, the word here is exaggeration. And uh-huh. I remember talking about this the last time with we were fantasy. About, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's so exaggerated, it's so yeah. over the top that I, the one of the key moments is when Penguin is fighting Batman at the end. He's like, "You're just mad that you're not an authentic freak like I am." Yeah, <laughs> and and that's yeah. like a really yeah. deep line when it comes to Batman. And mm-hmm. It comes to I think even the way that Tim Burton views all of these characters. So yeah. I was listening to the way you described the superhero arc and Batman doesn't have it necessarily in this movie. No. And but not I feel really. I feel like Penguin is the like the key hero in the this Penguin movie. Penguin is the yeah. protagonist yeah. of Batman Returns. And I think Burton just sees all of these characters as freaks. Like yeah. they're all outcasts yeah. together. Yeah. And I, it's just a unique spin on it. I like um I like that. I, I think of the Dark Knight Rises and Batman Returns a lot because they're both trying to liberate people. Yeah. And mm. and Dark Knight Rises like very realistic terrorism. Yeah. Bane. And then you have Penguin and it's like literally like these army of penguins coming. <laughs> like it's so outrageous. It just gives you a break of reality real quick and yeah. you can enjoy it. Um, yeah. But I, I ho- literally I do believe that this is one of the better Batman movies. The Last Jedi. we have to we have have to sink back into that one because I do like poking you Derek but I also do think that's a good movie but this one I stand on Batman Returns is a good Batman movie so well Batman Returns is infinitely better than Last Jedi so I'm with you there before we move on before we move on then I do I still want to say this with the Lex Luthor thing too in defense of the Lex Luthor yeah I'm doing my hands my Lex Luthor hands I can understand why he even hates Superman. Yeah. Again, oh, totally. someone who's been abused and is like could probably be again with that trauma blaming God. And here's an individual that is the closest thing to what someone can see as God. Yes. And it's like, well, I'm gonna take all of my frustration out on you and how even dare you exist. Because oh, some like he said, no one came down and saved me from daddy's fists and abominations. No, so I, I again there's there's, there's a lot of there's a, there's a little bit of, movie. Yeah. he created his own abomination yeah he created his own abomination that was ready to kill him and the thing that he hated yeah, but saved still, him anyway they still chose those characters to play those actors I, to play those characters you're still watching Ben Affleck struggle <laughs> rigidly to play Batman in my yes. opinion I'm sorry. you don't like him as Batman no. absolutely not wow. his shin doesn't even look right like, for Batman if there's even a 1% chance <laughs> you're still watching him scream Martha in the key moment and like that, that is so bad I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, like those elements may be there, but how it's executed. Nick, Batman Returns Nick, is executed way more if, fun. If I understand correctly, I, I think one of the things maybe is like Batman Returns does it. It's a serious film, but it doesn't take itself Just seriously. Yes. Yeah. Batman v Superman has a lot of goofy so stuff, yeah. but it plays it off as like, yes. yeah. It's really yes. serious, right? Yeah. Is that part of the issue uh, there? Absolutely. And yeah. I think it's more fun when you know it's not trying to be serious, yeah. but it can also be good at the same time. That that balance is hard to do. And I, I think he does it well. And I think Raimi does it well, too, in the Spider-Mans mm-hmm. and in all of his horror comedies. Um, they're scary, but they're also funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, don't, this is not that serious, but also you get scared. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just fun. Yeah. And ultimately, we're watching these because they're fun. Yeah. So 
Let's move on to sci-fi next. Just, and Batman vs Superman is not fun. I'm sorry, it's three hours it's long. F- it's fun in a different it's way. It's fun in hours a different long. way. <laughs> I d- I'll watch 20 hours of the, <laughs> the Snyder universe if it wasn't dead. Oh, I'm so sad. All right, dead. let's go on to sci-fi next. Sci-fi is has all these cool concepts that utilize science, aliens, technology, right? They take place in our world, but they're really stories about what it means to be human and the human experience. So here's some example of some superhero sci-fis. Oh, wait, I'm surprised with fantasy you didn't bring up Guardians of the Galaxy at all, like any of those, Nick. Oh, oh no, I like them, but I, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I, nothing. I, I like nothing. the third one a lot. The first two I'm not huge on, but I do like the third one. Yeah. Okay, anyways, so here's some example of some sci-fi superheroes. So we got... The original Superman 78, the Richard Donner one with Christopher Reeves, Man of Steel, all four Avengers films, uh, X-Men, X2, X-Men Days of Future Past, and Spider-Man No Way Home. So and those Hancock. And, Han- and Hancock. Yeah. And Hancock. Let's talk yeah. about Hancock, bro. Yeah. Hancock, talk- Hancock like strikes me as like a very, very sci-fi like focused yeah superhero movie like, yeah it's the whole phenomenon behind him being here. well especially mm-hmm. in the second half right yeah, yeah. it starts to reveal his backstory like, what? yeah what the heck? yeah i haven't seen that one in a while honestly they should have made a second one but you know no i would have liked the second one see hancock Han- they did make so hancock too it's will smith's going on the stage and smacking yeah. <laughs> yo Derek, that was good. Uh, Derek, that was good. Derek, that was good. Because I was like, what? They made a second hit? (laughs) Wow, I didn't think we'd go into that one. Derek, that was real good, man. Sorry. Oh bad. Um yeah. I like, think I think my favorite out of that bunch though is Days of Future Past as the sci-fi. More than Avengers Infinity War? Never nothing's ever gonna top Avengers Infinity War. So when I say favorite, I mean things beneath. Sure, Infinity beneath War. Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, well, Days of Future Past, that's time travel, so that's automatically like a sci-fi right there. Um, I love the mechanic of it, too, because it still takes it from the comics, but it's like a progression of a character that we've already been following for years. Yes, yes. That's a story about what it means. I mean, they're all stories about what it means to be human, right? Yeah. But what does it mean to hold on to hope, Mm -hmm. even when things look hopeless? And it does suck because they still all die anyways. With, like, Logan. Yeah, but if we treat it as a movie in and of itself, right? Yeah. If we just treat it as what it is. I, the movie is trying to say that if we can see each other as human, even those, like, because the mutant, right? The human beings like Trask, they don't mm-hmm. see the mutants as human. Mm-hmm. But if they could see them as human, and if the mutants likewise could see humans, right? Because yeah. Mystique just wants to kill them all. Magneto just wants to kill them all. <coughs> but if we can all just see each other as human beings trying to live together and make this work, yeah. it can literally change the course of history. I, That's what that whole film is about. Yeah. Because that act of mercy from mystique not pulling the trigger and seeing him as like just a human and then the humans learning to accept the mutants that changes history and creates a better future yeah so that's a great sci-fi classic in those themes there i do even like sometimes quote in my head like come on it's okay we need you to hope again like when i love that line we need you to hope again yeah yeah because it'd be hard out here cold road no blanket yeah Sometimes you just got to get someone a blanket. Uh, Jason, Nick, anything about all those sci-fi films I listed? No. Anything that stand out to you? 
I don't think so. I, I do like the first two X-Men movies, though. Yeah. I don't think they're that bad, but... Yeah. Mom loves them. Mm-hmm. Remember we watched them all mm-hmm. in a row? Yep. Nice. <laughs> I, think, I think in the like in the sci-fi movies that we talked about, the superhero aspect kind of overshadows the sci-fi aspect. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't they, really think they, so much about they, it. They, yeah, they, it, it, they, they blend together, right? I think in I, a way, I think they blend together. No, I, they do, but you don't. The science fiction aspect is kind of like just the means to the superhero. Like you don't really think sure, so much sure. about the phenomenon and how that applies to you, how, how it brings out certain things. Sure. You focus mostly on the hero aspect. Right. Um, I, especially in Hancock, like it doesn't say anything. I think that's because it comes after him being a hero. Mm-hmm. Then it kind of blindsides you and you don't right. really know how to like, what the heck this he's, he's what now? Yeah. They are what? Yeah, they're part of a pair, and they came from and yeah. they kind of they're like angels or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it kind of blindsides you, and it's you don't really think so much of that. You're st- you're stuck on the superhero aspect yeah. of it. So I think yeah. that it kind of overshadows the themes of the sci-fi, or at least they're not yeah. necessarily digested the way you would sure. a sci-fi film. So I remember the last time we were talking about sci-fi, it was a journey that started out in the head mm-hmm. to try to like like solve these grand problems of yeah. mankind and it yep. actually ended up in the heart. Yeah. Um, and you had this experience in the heart. So I, I was wondering if they're even sci-fi, if they're just placed in these settings that feel like sci-fi. Cause then mm. guardians of the galaxy, the third one sounds more like a sci-fi rather than fantasy. I, I think, I think that's fair to say because guardians three is about like the sanctity of life uh-huh. and, there is this hard experience. I, I, I do end. think Guardians yeah. Three leans more sci-fi, and I think the first two do lean more. Just they lean more fantasy uh-huh. overall, but yeah. it's weird. The Guardians films are hard to place because they are really like they're like Star Wars. Yeah. They're a blend of both. And and again, like one thing I didn't really say on the sci-fi episode is that sci-fi came out of fantasy. Mm. So like fantasy existed for a long time, and sci-fi got so big that it came out of the fantasy genre. Mm. So now it's like its own level, yeah. but it is like it, fantasy is its parent. So I even think with like the infinity war, uh, infinity war, um, the goal is to get the stones before Thanos gets the stones. But the heart of it is the love between Wanda and vision. The, the heart is that we are not together. And because we're not unified, we lose. Right. Um, well, even Thanos' whole dilemma yeah, about if, that's very sci-fi, yeah. right? You know, there's people don't have enough resources, but mm-hmm. I can make it happen. Yeah. But this yeah. is what that's sci- that's classic science fiction yeah. right there. I have a soft spot too. I love su- the original Superman film. Maybe it's a '70s thing because the '70s I think is the. I don't think I've been thinking about that. it more, Nick, since our horror episode. I really do think the '70s might be the top decade. Yeah. For film and the seventies and nineties, and the fact low key good too. Yeah, but the fact that we had (laughs) like Superman, the Superman film come out in nineteen seventy eight, it's so good for what it like for the time it came. Like it gets so much right for it being the first major superhero film. It's just there's so many good things about it. Really, really good film, and it has a Don Corleone in it. Does it really? Marlon Brando is is uh no Marlon Brando is uh is his his dad not not the uh, what's his name not Kal El Jor Jor El 
Jor-El? Jor-El? Jor-El. Yeah. yeah, he's Jor-El. Jor-El. So the Godfather is Superman's That's funny. Kryptonian dad. dad. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, Lex Luthor is Gene Hackman, who we've also talked about on here, too. So Gene. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the next Eisenberg. one. Eisenberg, come on, guys, come on, guys. <laughs> Can you stop? I'm not, okay, yeah, come again, on again. Stop. You guys got to stop. Maybe he, maybe he wasn't the pre- best pick for that, Lex Luthor. No, However, no. the idea of that, Lex Luthor. You go from Gene Hackman to Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> huh, I love putting people together. If, if man cannot kill God, the devil would do it. <laughs> they could have had anyone else say those lines though, and be better. They could have had me do it. I would go bald. Yeah, that might be better. Actually, even. no, I wouldn't go bald. I'd be terrified that I wouldn't grow my so, hair back. So we, so you guys weren't on when we did the historical narrative genre. And so the war genre is part of that, right? Wonder Woman. Yes. So the first Wonder Woman film would fall under that. A lot of these were, not all of them. Some of them are period pieces, but not all of them. But examples of superhero films that merge with a war genre in a sense would be the first Wonder Woman film, Captain America, the first Avenger, X-Men First Class, The Dark Knight Rises, and James Gunn's Suicide Squad. So the war genre is really about opposition. It's about you have a side over here, and this is what needs to be done in order to help people. And there's another side here that doesn't want to let that happen. And war is war films can take on different ways. It could show like the two sides, how they're rallying up, getting ready for a big conflict. It could show like one perspective. So the interesting thing is that several of these films on here were actually said by their directors that they're war films. Like Wonder Woman's obvious it takes place during World War One. Captain yeah. America's obvious it takes place during World War Two. Some of these are a little less obvious though. So like Christopher Nolan said that the Dark Knight Rises yeah. is a war movie. It mm-hmm. is like a war on terror. Yeah. Like that is the movie yeah. that he's telling that's the story he's telling. Each of his Dark Knight films are a different genre, actually. Uh, I was wondering what would break first. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know Dark Knight Rises is super flawed. Dark but I Dark Knight Rises Time is absolute go, go, go. trash. But, but I, Bane is good. Yeah. But I love watching that film. Yeah. I love it. I'll just skip it to the a, scenes with Bane. It is a more <laughs> it is a more entertaining film than Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Even oh, though Batman you. Begins is better, yeah. Dark Knight Rises has way more entertainment value. Yeah, because yeah, Bane is Bane is good. He's yeah. wondering why you would shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. <laughs> it's so good. But another one that's interesting that I didn't really think of is James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Film. Oh yeah, because I'm even thinking how is that a a technically a war movie. I ain't seen it. Wait, that no, that's the one with the big starfish. Yeah. Yes, Star- yeah. yes. It's a great it's movie. Good? I mm-hmm. love that movie. Well, the whole idea, I like, like think about it, right? Like the whole idea of like, here's a group and they have to infiltrate this place. They have to get in. Isn't that a spy um, genre then? Kind of like first class also kind of falls into that. But again, those are more like. But that, ma- is, but that technically first class te- technically takes place like Cuban in, Missile yeah, Crisis. Like, yeah, yeah there, it's anchored historical. in a period. Yeah, that's historical. But, but the Suicide Squad, I got to pull this up because I heard this is something I read in the screenwriter's taxonomy. And this is when I was like, yep, James Gunn Suicide Squad has to be a war film. Okay. Like according to this definition here. Um, whilst talking about first class, first class is an excellent X-Men. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I like, um, yeah, that's all I got to say. (laughs) Top three. You like first class too, right? Nate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think I like the X2 better than first class. Oh, see, I think X 
first class destroys it. It's like all the stuff with like Magneto. It's kind of like Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. in a superhero film. Yeah, that's yeah. That pretty there's sick. a there's a different feel though in X two. I don't know how to explain it. It's mm. like in the Raimi movies. The feel of the Raimi yeah. movies is different than the Amazing Spider Man's. Yeah. So I don't know how to explain that. It's that reboot. I don't know if it's nostalgic or what. It might be. Yeah. I remember getting the X two DVDs for Christmas, so maybe I'm just. Mm. Bias. Maybe I got to let the past die. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't know. Magneto, Magneto moving the the satellite tower was was a really cool. Moment. I remember. Was, yeah, yeah. I remember those montages and the mm. um, like the screen filling up with all those. Cli- I don't know the style of first class. I don't mm-hmm. think I like very much. Mm-hmm. But it feels. See, like, I like um, it. Feels like comic book the way it breaks up the yeah. panels. And I was stuff. even going to say like it feels like um. So you're coming from that comic book. Like but history, he, yeah. But and as I'm, a film, oh, it's a terrible adaptation of the source material. Is it? It's really bad. But and it, you like it? I do. Surprising. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, it, it makes. I think the the drama between Xavier and Magneto, like mm. that's the heartbeat of the film. Yeah. It really shows like the war that's gonna brew between the, them. Yeah. And mm. it shows X Men First Class is ultimately like a movie where there's a war being fought, but that's not the real war. Mm -hmm. The real war is in the making, and it's not till you get to the beach. That's when the war really starts. And it starts with a man holding another man who just basically moved a bullet into his spine and paralyzed him and then looking at each other and saying, like, I don't believe we're on the same side. Like, that is, that is. I wanted us to be together. No, brother. You do not. <laughs> like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> we want the same things. So, okay. Yeah. So here's what, here's what, what, uh, going back to Suicide Squad, the James Gunn Suicide, not the trash Suicide Squad. That's one of the worst films ever. Actually, um, I like that Suicide Squad. No. I Joe, like it just Joe, a little bit. You don't want that on I the like record. I like it just a little. I you don't want record. that on the record. I watched it with Dre. We didn't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to my house with a bear rug and some grape soda. (laughs) With with uh, what's his name? Um, Jared Leto, Killer Croc doing a little (laughs) roll. Is that a horrible movie? I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you really, really bad. Oh my gosh! I I thought the the best part was Jared Leto talking up the roll and then just (laughs) it is just like nothing. Like they cut out a lot of what he did yeah. apparently, and then it just left. That's why you got to watch the extended cut. You know, I don't, I don't I have no hope that it's any better. It's alright. Is okay. it like he's still like always oh, going to be he's the still star thing? He's still not the the best part of the movie. But all right, you know, he's going like, back to James Gunn's Suicide Squad, not that trash. Is um <laughs> this this idea here so that the war uh, film typically is an ensemble that tells the story of a small group of isolated individuals who one by one get killed by an outside force till there is only a small group left Mm. to confront the enemy in a fight to the death. The idea of facing death and a final battle between deathly forces are the lead visceral expectations in a war film. Mm. That very much is the pattern of that Suicide Squad movie. To the point where all the characters are willing to risk their lives yeah. to fight a giant starfish. Yeah. You see him? That's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact they got Itris Elba, you know, that's yeah. always that's always a great thing. Yeah. And the tropes are from war movies as well. So usually there's a soldier that is very like bloodthirsty. <laughs> there's a soldier that is like the commander and they're very straight, mm-hmm. right? 
like kind of like like yeah. Idris Elba. There's someone who's like struggling with some sort of interpersonal family drama, yeah. right? That's playing. So it's Look like a it lot up. of the tropes of war films are in those characters. Yeah. And King Shark is a shark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the yeah. big house. Yeah. And Come. the big thing that he says is that in a war film, anyone can die at any time because it's a war and no one is truly safe. Yeah. I'm like that. The sure. first scene in that movie communicates that. Yeah. When the first batch all get absolutely obliterated. I'm like, out. this is a war movie. Yeah. It's a funny war movie, but it's like Tropic Thunder. It's yeah. hilarious, but it is. I love Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah. Side note. Yep. Side note there. All right. We got a couple more genres left and then we're, we're done. All I'm right, a dude so, playing a dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Don't you know why people have suffered that word through years? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> so for the crime genre, we did something a little different. We did an analysis of The Godfather and No Country for Old Men. But there are some superhero films that fall into the crime genre. Mainly Batman films. Yeah, so we've got Tim Burton's Batman 89. We've got Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. We've got Zack Snyder's uh, masterpiece, Batman v Superman. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Matt Reeves' The Batman. And we've got Zack Snyder's other film that is pretty awesome, Watchmen. Mm. So those are examples of crime where we're really focused on s- there's some sort of crime that's central to the story that the protagonist has to solve. That's that's the main yeah. story. The yeah. Dark Knight obviously sticks out the most. Or yeah, to me, or it that, feels more like a crime story than a superhero story. That yeah. or the the Batman. Mm-hmm. I feel that's like. one where I yes. feel like the yeah. crime. I feel like the crime overtakes the superhero part, right? Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting superhero in what it says about what it means to be a hero, right? Yeah, especially with the ending of like, well, is Batman gonna be the scapegoat? So that, right? And of course, we know in Dark Knight Rises how that works out. But yeah. it's interesting, like, in well, what does it mean to be a hero? hero. What, mm-hmm. right? What does it mean to be a symbol? So, yeah, it's Batman. And the amount, yeah, it's basically well, I, Batman. I really liked how the Batman took it. Yeah. Yeah. What did you like about that? Just it, it wasn't super loud and flashy. It went through the grime and the work of being Batman and mm-hmm. being a detective. Yeah. And going through uh, all these mind games. Uh, with a with a with a very much disturbed and dramatized criminal, and I really liked how there's a lot of social commentary in this. And I, I really believe if the Riddler, if there is a man who was killing corrupt politicians and and individuals mm-hmm. in the real world, it was very and this is a very scary thought. They would be getting cheered on, like social mm-hmm. media. There would be a following. Yeah. They'd be yeah. like, I think yeah, that okay, aspect bravo. of it. Like, yeah. And so that showed how there's a lot of people who just have crime in their hearts and like vengeance. Yeah, they want vengeance, um, even for the greater good. And Batman was confronting that in himself and realizing that that's the path that he was going down. And yeah, yeah, he wasn't really making a difference in the crime in Gotham. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like I thought I've been doing something, but maybe I I've been part of the problem this whole time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I really like how it delved into crime in that way. And I don't think that how's what I was saying with the sci-fi thing. I think in that instance, th- those genres didn't intertake. E- uh, excuse me, overtake each other. They mixed and they mm-hmm. blended mm-hmm. well. And I think that uh, movie did a really good job of blending those two. Yeah. yeah, I was even thinking it doesn't feel like 
a movie wrapped around Batman. It feels like it's a crime movie, and Batman is just a character that was dropped in yes. this crime world. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, the last time I watched it, it kind of went down a little bit for me. Really? In my eyes. What? Yeah. Why? I think just the, the flaws became a little more apparent in it, and it wasn't as, I don't want to say good. Like what? It is good. Well, I, I, I really do think that the movie goes a little off the rails with the whole, like, we're going to flood everything. And the whole I back think half. Once Riddler is caught, I think yeah. you could still have something after. Yeah. But I'm kind of like, I get to the point when I'm watching it and I'm kind of like, oh, we still got like 40 minutes left. Yeah. yeah. And we got this whole, b- and I, I, there's a lot of good things thematically in it, in that, in that. But I think like, I was like, man, like, I wish there would have been a little bit more grounded way mm-hmm. that they kind of had that final conflict. But I get it. I get the symbolism of a flood. I get what Matt Reeves is saying. So it's not bad by any means. Um, I don't think it's bad at mm-hmm. all. I, I, I like how it sets up the next movie and there's a lot of possibility with it. And then it reminds me of the Arkham games where <coughs> there was an old Arkham that was underwater and then the new Arkham was built on top right, of that. Right, right. Mm. So that I know this is Gotham and it's different, but... You know, I wasn't expecting that at all, and I just thought it yeah. was a really cool thing. Yeah, so I also I also just think that Batman yeah. Batman is not a great detective. He's he's a very um, he stumbles into he's his. very reactionary, mm-hmm. and I get it. He's young. He's he doesn't really know, right? He's two years old. But I'm like, old. there's kind of this sense of like Batman is just basically hobbling along, and everything is going the way Riddler in plant plans it to yeah and it's not until even the flood batman fails to save it the only thing he does is he just gets some people out and that but it's like there's a part of me that watches the movie and i'm just kind of like with nancy there, like wow batman kind of sucks yeah (laughs) (laughs) well batman's power is only because he's rich yeah i'm kind of like wow batman really doesn't but I see that as as I how, know I know how can you make something best in the failure yeah. that you no, are? No, I get it, I get it, <laughs> I get it. But he still sucks. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> he wasn't over here investigating. It's, it's fine. Uh, it's it's hard to stop. It's a like good. It's a good movie. It's like an eight out of yeah. ten movie. It's an eight out of ten. Yeah. So it's still really good. Take That's that. hilarious. But yeah. it's just not as good as when I first saw it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's I agree worn, with that. It's worn yeah. down a little bit for me. Whereas something like The Dark Knight, every time I see it, I'm just like, yeah, this is... This is still the best. This is good. All right. But anyways, two more left. So the Western genre, there's only one that I could think of. Bang, and that's bang. Logan. Bang, bang. That's it. I, I don't, That's the only superhero Western I could think of was Logan. And Logan, we talked about this in the Western episode, that Logan pays homage to a lot of Westerns, mm-hmm. especially Shane... And Unforgiven. Even the comic of what Logan Old Man is, Logan. Yeah, Old Man Logan uh-huh. is like that is more of a Western. Oh, a hundred percent. Than the actual I feel like than the actual movie is, but it's still those elements of it that they carry over. Because Logan is tonally and stylistically like Western. Like mm-hmm. it's shot in these like desert landscapes. Mm-hmm. The music mm-hmm. is very Morricone like influenced. I, I actually thought Morricone did the score when I first watched the film. And then I saw the composer. I'm like, oh, you're a good Morricone imitator because you would have fooled me. Like this was a this this is like that kind of film. I, uh, but I, I mean, the Western story is all about grit. This like gritty depiction of order taming chaos. 
the morally gray like ambiguity of it all right Mm -hmm. like that really to me is that's a lot of logan um and about corruption decay all that kind of stuff so i I also read somewhere that um in westerns there's the the protagonist will go outside the law or attempt to establish order to um basically to protect a community and that's that's what logan does Mm -hmm. in this is there's a community of mutants and there's Mm -hmm. um a corrupt law going to oppress that group Mm -hmm. to to just terrorize and he goes yeah. out of his way to protect that and he doesn't want to at first and i'm thinking of tombstone like mm-hmm. yeah he's like I, I have no business i want out of here i don't yeah. care about this I, I like i've already got a guilty conscience i just want to go and do something yeah. else but he he's driven and he goes back into it yeah and he gives his life for it yeah absolutely and that's the superhero part you know in my opinion like, though in, the in my opinion though i think logan i think i've said this before on the podcast i think logan is the best made superhero film yeah of all time Be- and i think i think why is because i think better than any other film it allows the genre to inform it like logan is more of a western than a superhero film but it does the superhero story in a way that works with the Western. What I think I've been thinking about what you guys were saying a while ago. And I think you're right that a lot of the times the superhero genre tries to eclipse Mm -hmm. the other genre, or it tries to like just pay homage or like just integrate the genre. I think Logan is the opposite. Yeah. I think Logan literally recrafts the idea of a superhero story around a western so it submits to the western it submits mm-hmm. to the western and that's why i think logan is the best made film because i think it's so confident in what it's doing yeah in both of those it fully embraces like james mangold fully embraces all the things of that make up a western yeah to where i could classify logan as a as a western right. before yeah. a superhero film but even the superhero commentary on it about Logan going to Laura and being like, this is not how it is in, in yeah. the real world, right? Like, there's a commentary in the real world, on the people super- die. Yes. Like, dang, bro. <laughs> there is a commentary on the superhero genre in Logan. Yeah. And James Mangold is almost saying, like, how does the superhero genre have its maintain its place mm. in a world where we know that things aren't really like that? And that's going to go to my criticism that I have for the superhero genre in a moment that I'm going to share with you guys. Mm. But I think James Mangold's hitting on something there. Like it's not that these stories don't have value. It's that we need to view them through a realistic lens and not see them as something that's unattainable for us. And I think Logan is about how can a man, because Logan is a superhero in a sense, but there's so like, there's There's a brokenness to him. So how does Logan... (laughs) still embrace the superhero story with all of his flaws. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And even like the way that it depicts a family, like a normal family, yep. what happens if a normal family gets brought, gets brought into, into the superhero story? It gets slaughtered, man. And I think, oh and I think James Mangold is saying something there yeah. because literally in the final battle, the only non-super entity is the is the scientist Mm -hmm. and he just gets taken out in one shot right i think he's saying something about the fragility of humans that we aren't capable of fully embracing the superhero genre 
So it's almost like he's finding a way to tell it in a way that is accessible for us. Mm-hmm. And the Western is how he does that. The, that's the genre that he chooses, a genre that's rooted and grounded in a real time period in history. And I think that's really fascinating. It's, it's The Westerns are like experiencing your own mortality because at the yes. end, most of the time, the, the person in the Western dies. And the superhero genre is the opposite. Yeah. Most of the time they die and they come back yep. or whatever, right? To actually have a story where death is very real yeah. for superhero, like Charles Xavier, Xavier you're going to take out the most powerful mutant, yeah. Omega level, in just by getting stabbed. Yeah. And just the fragi- fragileness of like even his like mind <laughs> disease, yeah. right? Not just getting stabbed. Yeah, like yeah. that. Like that was that's, a slow knife. Yeah. yeah. The face of his friend. I, Lo- yeah. Logan is the best super. Like in my opinion, <laughs> it is the best well-crafted superhero movie. Is that on Criterion? Because that would be. Amazing. That would be I, amazing. Oh, so I actually sent a letter to Criterion <laughs> to say and <laughs> recommended why Logan. So. Another side note: and, my mom loves this movie, and yeah. like. I'll show you guys a video afterwards, but in the beginning scene where Logan's just chopping up dudes, I recorded uh-huh. her. She absolutely loves Logan. Like, absolutely. Wolverine is her favorite. Yeah. Loves Logan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's the best. So the last genre I want to talk about, and we can do this really briefly, is the horror thriller genres. And there's only a few here that I put down. I put um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Trash. I mean, Madness. Um, Joker. Don't call him. Joker and Chronicle. I, 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 Chronicle. Chronicle is great. Chronicle is good. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I think I of also Brightburn, but I haven't yeah. seen it. Bright, yes, thank Brightburn. you. Brightburn would fall in there as well. I haven't seen Brightburn either. But out of those with Chronicle, Chronicle is like literally a tragedy of friends just crumbling down because of so, someone's own self-image of themselves. So Chronicle and Kick-Ass have very similar premises, mm. except Chronicles is with superpowers and Kick-Ass is, isn't with superpowers. Yeah. Yep. But very similar thematically. Yeah. Chronicle's amazing. Great I've not film. Seen, I haven't even heard of Chronicle until really? right now. Really? Yeah, Michael no. B. Jordan So the really? entire mm-hmm. the entire film, Jason... Is shot through video cameras. Yeah, it's like um, really? it's found it's found mm-hmm. footage. That's kind of cool. So the entire film uses video cameras. It has Michael B. Jordan, the guy that played Dane DeHaan, Dane DeHaan, Green Goblin, and the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, movies. Harry. Yeah, and then um, what the other what is? The I don't other remember guy the other guys. Yeah, but he's been in stuff. Yeah. Um, I forget, but Chronicles good. Yeah. Oh Chronicles wait a minute, I've seen Chronicles this really clip good. before. Yep. Yeah. So that's from Chronicle. Mm-hmm. That's a really good movie. I, I remember when Chronicle came out in 2012 and he had been cast as amaz- as Harry Osborn and he has that scene where he destroys a spider and everyone's yep. like, foreshadow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Chronicle's that, that good. That kind of looks I've seen this a long time ago. That but cover. it's cool. Mm-hmm. That's a horror. Like mm-hmm. what happens, yeah. the horror. So the way that uh, Max Landis interprets it is what happens if you get superpowers in the real world? It actually, your life turns into a horror story. Mm-hmm. Your fears come to life. It even reminds me of Megamind when um, the guy is, give, yes. is given powers, but again, he, he his character mm. is, does not deserve these powers, but and because and he uses these powers to harm others Did, because of his mm. because of um what he's experienced 
Yeah. Did did we say this? I've heard this somewhere, but the superpowers just amplify who you are. Yes. That's from that's Captain what, America. They don't make you a good person. Yeah, that's, that's what Chronicle is all about. Yeah. yeah. It's all about and that. And I think yeah. of Mega Mind, which is an amazing film that could be on Criterion. We yeah, that um, needs to be talked about. I'll write that letter. Chronicle, <laughs> Chronicle could be a criteria. Yeah. I don't know about Mega Mind. Nah, Mega Mind needs to be on. But I, I, I pick Mega Mind over Chronicle. I also think of the boys. You guys need to recheck what criteria. Uh, go go on their website and read what a Criterion film is, and, and then Mind. come back and say what you think. Okay, I, I don't I'll think Mega Mind would fall right, in their criteria. Without knowledge. So either. <laughs> I'll but tell anyways, you that Transformers: Dark of the Moon should be on. No. <laughs> so, so I. If they also, freaking put Michael Bay on Criterion, I wouldn't put it. I, I. The Rock I, is worth it though. <laughs> so when I uh, when I think of these things, I also think of The Boys and Invincible. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Great. yeah, yeah. The Boys like completely shocked me. That's a that's almost like a uh, horror slice of life. Yeah. Uh, superhero. At Invincible, I remember I was showing um, Nick and our other friend Will that's uh, Invincible, but we watched Invincible. Yeah, yeah, we watched the we watched the first episode and it was like, oh, you know, generic, you know, superhero stuff, and then it got to the end. Yeah, it just started getting. (laughs) But again, even I feel like the thing that shows the horror aspect the most of it is at the end when the dad is torturing his son, Mm -hmm. having an experience like, oh, look at these humans that you want to protect, but. Not understanding that because they're so pr- like fragile, they're worth being protected. Yeah, like that's what Vision was saying in Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's grace in their families. families. Yeah, yeah. And you miss that. Yep, you're incredibly naive. I was born <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah, this is what it's all building towards for me. This episode is called "Why We Love Superheroes," but ironically, in this past year of 2023. I've been finding myself falling out of love mm-hmm. with the superhero genre, which is strange because most of these genres we've talked about, I've actually found myself pressing more into. Mm. But this is one genre that I've actually been feeling myself pull back from a little bit. And I've been asking myself why. There's no heart. Well, I think in thinking about a lot of stories now, right? I think the superhero genre has become so oversaturated. It's very commercialized. Mm-hmm. It's very There's nothing heavy with it. It's, it's just thin. Fluff. Yeah. Yeah, it's become thin, it's become fluff. Yeah. It, there's a lot of disappointment. Yep. Back in the 2000 like from 2008 to 2018, I would say we got an average of at least one like absolutely spectacular superhero film every year. Mm -hmm. Like absolutely like great. Yeah. Now I'm lucky if every couple years I get a superhero film that's good. Mm -hmm. Like not even amazing. Just good. My bar is so low now. Yeah. Other than like seeing how the Spider-Verse, you know, how that trilogy is going to conclude. There's not really anything I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, because I think I'm just burnt out on it all. Even like Deadpool three, which sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. It seems like it's going to be but, a Dexman. Uh, Dexman. Um, Deadpool Dexman. kills the X Men like universe. Yeah. Well, and I or I like just the Fox I, universe. I don't trust Disney to make a good Deadpool like film. I, I just don't. Wait, Dead, Disney's Dis- doing it because yeah. they own because they, they own Fox. They own yeah. X Men and all those movies now. So I just I really don't trust that. Yeah. My but, face has fallen. They say but, it's going to be rated R still, but it's still like the fact that. Disney still has well, control of that. Well, I, th- I think the yeah. thing that bothers me is like Logan is such a perfect ending for the Fox universe. They keep trying to bring, bring it back. Like after Logan, they did um, 
I'll give Deadpool two a pass because that like is supposed to be like a coda mm-hmm. that like thematically ties in with Logan, but in a com- comedic way. So I'll yeah. give that a pass. Then they did but Dark like Phoenix. Dark Phoenix, yep. New Mutants, yep. Professor X in Multiverse of Trash, and now the fact that they're bringing Hugh Jackman back in Deadpool three. But he's going to be comic book accurately I don't with care, his costume. Though. I don't care. <laughs> Isn't I think, that the appeal of the movie? I think that's why I'm burnt out. I think that's why. Yeah. I think that's why I'm burnt out is because I'm just like, I think I've gotten what I need from this genre. It's done what I've wanted it to do for me in my life. And I don't know what else I can give it or it can give me anymore. And so I, I keep thinking about the struggle I have. And I don't think it's just what we're talking about though, Joe, I don't think it's just these things. I think there's something deeper that I've noticed in these stories. Mm -hmm. And that's that the superhero genre can be a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it can inspire us to be better, to be heroic in our lives. But in another way, it could actually take away that responsibility by making us place it on someone else. Hmm. So a lot of superhero stories, I started to watch really closely a lot of them. And besides the fact that there were other films that I was thinking of that I was like, oh man, I'm watching Wonder Woman right now, but I'd rather go watch 1917 if I want to watch a World War White. So yeah. like, I'm thinking like, shoot, I'd rather watch other films in other genres around these kinds of stories for a lot of them. But except for Logan, like Logan is like, gosh, it's just a Western through and through and I love it. But I thought about like, I started to notice how like, if you're a common person and you're trying to do the right thing and you don't have like super, you're basically like punished in these films. Like it's almost like you are not capable of doing this, right? And we could talk about maybe how like this is a, like superhero films get compared to like the gospel a lot, right? A lot of Christians will compare them to Jesus. And I think that's a fair comparison. The idea that you have to trust something higher than yourself, right? No, but I can understand but, that because like with the new Secret Invasion, um, I watched that fully with Nick Fury. But Nick Fury uh-huh. was like railed on like in this show. Like yeah. you, you are just this sad old man now and you can't do anything and you need these other people to do stuff for you. But this is a person who... Like oh you um that has formed the Avengers that has that is a international spy that had like that is thirty steps ahead before you even know what the next step yeah. is and it's like they they brought him down they did the Luke Skywalker to him they did the Indiana Jones five to him yeah and that's what I feel like right. that's what Disney's doing is just like showing that these characters oh you can you're when you grow old. It's just downhill for you. Like you have no no yeah. other value left. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, a lo- along with that as well, in a lot of these superhero films, there's this idea that like might makes right. Problems can only be solved through violence. And I'm like, the more I think about that, I'm just like, but most of our problems don't actually. So what does it mean to be heroic in these movies? Most of the time, it's a good guy that has to physically restrain and put down a bad guy. But that's not actually heroic, what it means for us in our everyday lives mm-hmm. to be heroic, right? And so there's that aspect I struggle with as well in a lot of these <coughs> films, the more that I think about it. And then we've talked a lot in this retreat about like being active versus passive in our life. And I started to realize like in these movies, the villains actually are the active ones Mm -hmm. that are out there trying to like do something. And the heroes are the passive ones reacting to whatever the villain does. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not 
the kind of life I want. That's not heroic. And there's this weird, like unintentionally, like holding up the status quo Mm -hmm. where, and this is to be fair, this is a criticism that's embedded in some superhero stories, but this idea that like villains are almost created because of superheroes Mm -hmm. and they don't actually allow heroes to deal with everyday problems I think the exception to this is like the Daredevil TV show where you have a man who's able to, in his personal life and his superhero life, he's able to deal with a one problem that's a real world problem, but also like it's a problem that requires both. So I, I, I still think the Daredevil TV show is a great example of how to do the superhero story in a way that makes real people like we, right? It gives us a place in the story. But yeah, I mean, I just... I struggle. I I think about how these stories, when they were created, were targeted for young people, and that it's a it's targeted at a group of people that has a lot of potential, um, with a little bit of rebellion, and it like helps to channel that rebellion in a way um, by identity, like right, like create an identity, like create a costume, but like don't upset the status quo too much because the villains are the ones who actually like when I watched Incredibles two, this was one of those light bulb moments when I heard the screen slaver, give that speech to Elastigirl as she's going through. And I'm like, Holy crap, screen slavers. Right. Mm. And I was like, this is not good because this Incredibles two and Incredibles one, but Incredibles two is really talking about how like superheroes defer our responsibility And the fact that like that guy, her father died because he didn't want to take action to save his family. He relied on someone else. That's a fair criticism. And the fact that like the superheroes are asserting themselves to try to save the day to preserve the status quo so that they can do what they're doing, but that doesn't teach the common person. In fact, it actually punishes the common person for trying. Well, in the first movie, The Syndrome, it punishes the common person for trying to be the hero. And of course, it makes them out to be the villain. And so ultimately, I'm struggling with this genre, and this is the last thing I'll say on it, and then I want to hear your thoughts on it. I feel like there's two stories in comics that really kind of show where I'm at with the superhero genre right now. One is Dark Knight Returns, where I love that when Batman gets out there and starts doing his thing again, it inspires other people to mm-hmm. to do their thing, right? You're like talking the, about the um the animated movie. Well, yeah, but the graphic novel, right, oh, yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. based off of. But, yeah, where you have, like, the oh, people yeah. who are yeah, like, turns. this is my mm-hmm. shop, this is my neighborhood, and yeah. Batman taught me to stand up for it, right? Yeah. We are the sons of Batman. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even the idea, because I think The Dark Knight Returns is onto something in terms of how we inter- we take on the superhero genre. Because yeah. there's this idea that Batman sets a principle. Now, obviously, I don't agree with some of the principles, right? But I think the idea of what Frank Miller's doing in that story is like Batman sets a pattern. Something larger than us sets a pattern and models a heroic way. Then it's up to us to go out in our everyday life and and in our own way, model that pattern. And and create a community. And and create a community around doing that. And I'm like, I think that's the superhero story. I think that's what we could take a value. Mm. The other story is... The comic book you read, Nick, is Mar- the Marvels. You you see superheroes from the eyes of an ordinary man, and he's like enamored oh, yeah. by them. He looks up to them, right? He sees them as this larger than life that they're gonna solve all our problems. 
And then he watches Spider-Man fail to save Gwen. And he realizes superheroes can't be everything for us. And we shouldn't expect them to be. And so he decides at the end of that graphic novel, there's a time when I needed the superheroes to inspire me, to teach me what what it means to be a man, how to be heroic in the world. But there comes a time where you see the flaws. And, you, and he sees the flaws of the character of Spider-Man that he can't be everything and he can't do everything. He can't even save, you know, the one he loves. And I think metaphorically, I'm seeing the flaws of the superhero genre. I'm seeing that these films can't be everything that I want them to be and that I've come to a place where I need to take what I can from the precious, the ones that have meant the most to me, like the Spider-Verse films, like Logan, like um, The Dark Knight Returns, right? Like some of the ones we're, we're talking about here. And it's ironic as I'm thinking about it here, all these stories have something to do with parenting. And that speaks to the season of life that I find myself in. And there's things that I as a parent can glean from these stories that I mentioned in finding myself identifying more with Peter B. Parker than Miles or even Miles and Gwen's parents. Or like Logan, overcoming his selfishness, rushing down the mountain to clear a path for his daughter and her friends so that their generation can have a better life than he could ever have dreamed of for his own. And so how to pass the superhero genre on to the next generation, to my own children, and what that looks like. But I think there's a part of me that's saying, I think it's time to move on. Mm. That was so sad. Yeah. Um, it's like a breakup. Yeah, it sounds like... <laughs> this is my breakup yeah, episode. Like a breakup. It sounds like um, th- this is some kind of maturation process. Um, that Like mm. these characters are needed in our childhood. Mm. Like mm-hmm. these aspirational archetypes. Yeah. yeah. And then they're still a part of us because we have that inner child and we still need mm-hmm. those things. But the, the, the problem comes when it's out of balance mm-hmm. and that's all you're relying on mm-hmm. and you don't take responsibility and you become passive and you start to become deluded in, in who these characters really are. And I think that's what Martin Scorsese was talking about Yeah, when it's all that, you know, is this one genre mm-hmm. um, and this one character uh, it becomes a problem. It's so. like how the scripture says that like, it's time to put childish things away. Yeah. It's like putting that childish, that that toy in the box. Well, and I think there's still a certain place for certain stories. And I think all of us listening, we all have to figure out which superhero stories. Like, like Black Panther is like a great superhero story that has a lot of meaning for a lot of people, right? And I think we have to find out what those stories are for us. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like the leap of faith for Spider-Verse is forever going to be how I see my business. Like mm-hmm. everything I do in all things narrative and starting a business is that leap of faith, yeah. right? Logan, like there's certain stories like Dare- the Daredevil show that just have things that I need for life and I need to go back to those things yeah. because they help me understand what it means to be a heroic human, mm-hmm. right? But I think as a whole, I think my love and infatu- infatuation with the genre, mm-hmm. I think has faded because I've recognized that even it's, I feel like it's even embedded in the narrative. And I think that's what Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross were trying to say through the Marvels is that there comes a time when you're in, you love the genre, you're inspired by it, you're enamored by it. But then there's a time 
when you see the flaws mm. that you have to give it to because the guy, the Phil, the the main guy in that story, he gives it the the he gives the stories to someone young because he's a reporter and a photographer. Mm. He gives the stories to someone younger and he says, Now these stories are for you. Mm. Right? But they're not for me anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, I think that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. yeah. With this genre that I love, but yeah. I think my relationship with it has changed. And I think what you're talking about with the Dark Knight Returns, that's that's really it, is because Batman is old and he's eventually gonna die, but he's leaving a legacy. Yes. And the legacy yes. inspires a community to work and train mm-hmm. and together grow to protect their neighborhood, their environment, yeah. to yeah. be what their hero represented. And so it's not like in, in the movie, it's like not that Batman shouldn't have ever existed. It's that there's a t- there was a time for him and now there's something new. And now the people, the civilians are coming out of the background and they're taking over the story yeah. and they're taking over their own story and not right. just letting, like you guys are saying, the hero they yeah. don't do it anymore. And so. Batman dies, like there's a death he experiences, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that's interesting as well, commentary, is that the superhero and Logan does it too. The superhero has to die in some way mm-hmm. so that we can understand can it. move forward. Yeah. Whether it's Laura, right? What, what's wrong with the last Jedi then? <laughs> what is wrong? What oh is my gosh, oh my Nick. gosh no 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 this is all gonna start all over right I now know. we're going another we're going another two hours right I now I need something to drink Derek to last we're hour. done Der- no we are not done that's crazy we're all walking away right now okay no no I think that's okay crazy I think the reason why I think that is crazy I think the reason why people have a hard time accepting that for Last Jedi is because they <laughs> they they. Twist in their mind, they twisted Luke's character. Luke's character, Logan. Logan, you can you can say, yeah, he doesn't give a f about people. He's gotten to this place. He's experienced two different timelines where his friends and family die, <laughs> and he's all he was already a loner. Luke was someone that was it's never. Not, it's not consistent it's, with it's his not character. consistent it's with his character. Not. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's more twisting a character character for a story than allowing yes, the story thank to you. correct around exactly that. what Batman I was going to say I still need to exactly I still yes Batman didn't fall off he's the daddy who was I still need a drink because we mentioned Last Jedi <laughs> <laughs> well I think that's where we're going to wrap the Why We Love Superhero episode but yeah my way was fine <laughs> anyways thank you so much for checking out the All Things Narrative podcast this is your friendly narrative Derek this is your friendly narrative Derek This is your friendly narrative practitioner, Derek, signing off, saying thank you so much. And until next time. And remember, God made you special, and he loves you very much. Veggie Tales. (laughs) Special with superpowers? Larry Boy, bro. Larry Boy, bro. He was the original superhero.